This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Another clean sheet, another game. Undefeated, but sixth place still. Tantalizingly away. It was Ipswich nil, Portsmouth nil. This... It's the Blue Monday podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Following Ipswich Town... Up or down for the last 1,000 years. Joe Fares, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thanks, Ben. And Craig Fimbo, down the bottom there, how are you? Yep, very well, all good, thank you very much. Um, If you are tuned in on YouTube, please do hit that like button. It really helps us um, reach as many people as possible. Um, And thank you to everybody tuned in on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, let's dive straight in with some news today and some long-awaited stadium upgrades, Craig. What are we getting? Exciting, isn't it? I, everyone, <laughs> everyone likes seeing the new, the new um, designs and images. But everyone's like whinging about it for the last ten years, haven't they? So yeah, oh, we st- and we still got people in Joe's stand who are whinging that they can't see the, the corner. <laughs> so and funny enough, we we were looking at it from our seats just a, near the, the tunnel just to see if we can make out. The whole screen. I don't think. I think we're going to be slightly obscured. So, yeah, there's going to be a, a jumbotron or big screen or Titan Tron. They have in WWE, sixty-inch LCD telly stuck in the corner of um, <laughs> the Cobold and South Stand. Um, yeah, and lovely new um, Recaro seats in the in the dugouts um, for the pre- requisite number of people that the Premier League require. So we won't need to redo that in three years' time when we're when we're there. <laughs> um, and also advertise, I've noticed there's electronic advertising hoardings coming as well. So we're getting the, the full kit and caboodle. New PA system, Craig? New PA, yes, not Tannoy, obviously. We can't use that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, new PA system. So maybe they'll invite Martin Reuter back and we can hear what he's saying this time around. Um, so yeah, that's all, all fantastic news. Um, you know, the... Guys are putting the money where their mouth is. They said at the beginning, you know, when they joined, that the stadium needed a bit of a overhaul and an upgrade, and uh, this is sort of the, the first steps towards it. I understand everybody's happy, but Joe, it's about time, isn't it? Come on, it is. When, like I say, you go round sort of some of these small League One grounds, like you go to Accrington, and they've got a big screen up, and yeah. Fleetwood, I think, did as well. And you just, it is a little bit embarrassing that. Go to that. I think there's only one Premier League team that doesn't have one, which is Liverpool. Strangely, they, they don't have one there. But um, it's just about time. Like the, selling hospitality, yeah, yeah. But the the guys so far they've spent they've sort of picked off the low hanging fruit, and the stadium does look much better with regards to the sort of graphics they've put all around the sort of east stand, and the north stand, and around there the flags going down the main entrance. And it is just those little steps, but just none of those little steps had been taken under Marcus Evans for the majority of his tenure. We just didn't do anything. So we're having to sort of, we've got quite a lot of catching up to do, but it's it's good that they're they're doing it. I, they've been saying for a number of years about the pitch and it, it just would take 
a sort of a, like a million pound investment to get this to get it up to what it's needed so that's why we never did it and we just try and get as much as we can out of it every year and you have a couple of games in bad weather and then all of a sudden your pitch is struggling for the for the next six weeks because it just isn't built to take it so it's it's great that they are spending the money even though on the pitch maybe things haven't gone to plan so far we, we're st- they're still pushing ahead with the other bits of the plan that is needed It'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it, how much how much capital it's going to cost to get these bits and pieces done. I mean, as you say, Joe, the the pitch is upwards of a million quid, as far as we're aware. But then to invest, you know, knocking down the corner and rerouting the power cables and getting this jumbotron in, it's it's a fair amount of advertising they're going to have to bring in from Rex Records, Queen Street, Ipswich, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Science to, Express. Um, yeah, to stick in the stick in the coffers to fund it all. But you no, know, fair play, as you say. You know, it's not as if we're guaranteed to go up or anything but they're still putting the the foundations in the infrastructure to hopefully see us because the the digital advertising boards we obviously had those in when we had the fa cup game against southampton didn't we back when it was alive on bbc one so we had those in for that but you do wonder where they where they're going to fit in because it's not the widest of pitches is it down there and i've noticed the other week like the pitch is wider now since mckenna's come in we have edged it out uh, they're normally quite high as well as much as we have been able to are we going to need to take the the actual advertising boards off the front of the stands and put them in place that as opposed to just a structure in front of them i'd imagine it would be the former um joe i know you're quite well up on this is is that good ffp money um you know infrastructure around yeah it, it always has been yeah that sort of spending has always been seen as good ffp money yeah. Um, it's less good news, Craig. Uh, George Edmondson is not going to be about for a while. No, no. And that's, that seemed pretty obvious, didn't it, from the from the stills we saw or the slow-mo of him, him going over his ankle. I don't know. I've I've done it to both my ankles um, and did probably don't get the same amount of treatment, post-care treatment <laughs> that George is going to get. You know, I was basically done my DMs up a little bit tighter back in the early 90s and, and got a crutch to wobble around on for a little while. but. Um, yeah, ankle ligaments if going over on that. Not only does it hurt like hell, they're a pain in the bum to um, to get right as well. So he was wandering around yesterday in his um, moon boot, fully strapped up sort of thing. So, um, yeah, he'll be getting the, the right treatment, but you can't imagine him. That may well be him for the season, mightn't it? They, once they go and they're weak, I don't think they'll want to rush anyone back because they're tendency to go again, haven't they? Well, you're looking six to eight weeks, aren't you? Minimum for yeah, minimum, that yeah. sort of injury. and. If it's the sort of middle of that, you're basically at the end of the season there. And it's like, are you going to rush him back for one game? Especially if there's exactly. enough riding. If we're in the playoffs and you want to get him back, then you might you might have a chance that way. But you're not going to rush him back just for a dead rubber at the end of the season, are you? You're going to say, get yourself right for coming back in pre-season. And hopefully, as obviously, spoiler alert, I know we've already said, but we kept a clean sheet yesterday without him. And I thought Cameron Burr just stepped in well. So hopefully it's just an opportunity for him to stay inside and do well and give McKenna some questions to ask. I know it's hard to quantify, Craig, but how much does this weaken us? Um, well, as Joe said, I don't think of all the positions that currently um, have, have injuries in them, I, that's probably the one where we've got a near enough like-for-like um, replacement in Burgess, who was you know, perfectly adequate yesterday. I thought he was indeed could have been man of the match. You know, he's did everything he needed to do. Won all of his headers, I think, pretty much apart from one. You, you could tell that was a, a strong point from him yesterday. He played the ball um, simply. He didn't get as forward as much as Edison does, but then he doesn't need to because um, it's happening on the other side, isn't it? Danassian and Burns are doing it the other side. Um, I'm more concerned about the hole that, um, the gaping hole that Morsey leaves, um, especially when you haven't got Evans with him. And then also... Jackson potentially as well. So I think of all the positions that are currently needing replacements, that's probably the one where we're we're most most covered. You agree with that, Joe? Yeah, I guess maybe the other one would be if you know AFM Wes Burns got injured as well. That'd be one where you'd really struggle to have someone with that impact. Yeah, but I think yesterday's was the proof effectively really that Burgess can step in and do do a similar standard job there and sort of gives you that natural left-sided balance anyway. It's not to say that Edmondson isn't going to be a big miss, because he is, because he's a, he's been a very good player all season for us, but it's it, it could have been a lot worse. It, like I say, when you saw that Edmondson and Morsey were out, if you wanted one of those to be out for eight weeks, and the other one you'd have said Edmondson rather than Sam Morsey, wouldn't you? 
absolutely. Um, we will get into the Pompey game. I'm trying to do a good chicken link here. So get your drumsticks and drum roll, please. With wings more crisp than a James Norwood finish, ribs meatier than Sam Morsey tackle, and chicken tastier than Wes Burns, favourite is Britain's tastiest chicken. And as a listener of the Blue Monday podcast, you can get 20% off by entering BM20 at the checkout. Order direct from their menu at chicken-ipswich.co.uk. They'll deliver anywhere within a 2.7-mile radius of the store. And if you're not quite as local as the Bond family, you can click and collect. The store is located just off Hadley Road. Favourite, Britain's tastiest chicken. Ipswich Pompey then, Joe. And we've lamented and whinged and moaned on this podcast over many years that when Ipswich get in a, quote, big game, uh, against a rival, a must-win game, uh, use whatever language you're comfortable with, they don't win it. Um, was this a big game against Pompey, who in most of the sort of, you know, you look at the 6, 8, 10, 12-game form table, uh, pretty uh, maybe eight-game form table, I think they're, they're top of it now after, after yesterday. What were your thoughts going into this game, Joe, in respects of a a barometer, a measuring stick for where we are right now? Um, I, I guess you just... We, we obviously knew we, we sort of needed to win, really, because of where we are in the table. But I just have... It's just strange to have such confidence in a manager that you sort of feel that whatever whatever we put out, we're going we're gonna to probably be the better side against anyone we play in this division. And that's how it feels at the moment. And, it's, and it has been the case for a number of weeks and yesterday was no exception. Everyone is the way they sort of come here and are so happy with a point against us at Portman road. It shows just what respect we're, we're getting from these teams at the moment. It, we seem to be able to set a game plan up that's, that just cuts these other teams off at source and just leaves us as the better side. And I think we did that again yesterday, but obviously there's the issue that we didn't score. We didn't score again. What were your thoughts um, going in, Craig, in terms of the you know the, the importance side of it, given it's against uh, another club who we would consider a big club for league at League One level in good form? Yeah, what exactly that is? Joe was saying that, um, <clears> or <throat> oh, as you were saying, sorry about the form table. They, I think they'd won however many six out of the last seven or something. But I think five Very out of those, had, yeah, five out of those had been at home. So it's a bit difficult to know what they would be yeah. like away from home. Um, and as it turned out, you know, as Joe said, they seem to be pretty intent and content to um, to settle for a point, which is only a good sign from our perspective. If you think that these are teams that in and around the playoffs that are supposedly big clubs in League One and they're coming here and blatantly playing for a point from uh, early doors, especially when the team that they're playing, IES, is missing two or three and in the end probably four integral players to this, what would be their first choice starting eleven. And also, um, when they needed to win, really, as well. They're, yeah. they're in the same position as we are at the table. Yeah. And a draw doesn't really do them much good, but they were still really happy with a point to stop us. So it sort of shows how much respect we're getting at the moment. As Joe, Joe says about, sorry, Ben, no, Joe says about us, us holding other teams at arm's length. You know, it's happening pretty much every game where teams aren't, teams aren't getting near us. Teams aren't cutting us open. Um, we're just negating them. It's just, unfortunately, it's just that flip side of it being able to... Uh, make the most out the other end of the pitch currently. Joe, I'm I'm not trying to gotcha you or anything, but you've been quite high on the Cowleys throughout when we've spoken on the pod. Where are you? Where are you on them now? Because obviously we first met them when they were at Lincoln, and then with the bright young things, and then had that season at West Brom. And uh, frankly, the decision of West Brom to put Corber on in looks like a good one. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, um, Huddersfield to put Corber on in looks like a good one uh, now, doesn't it? And um, is the bloom off the rose a little bit for the Cowleys now? And has your view um, changed a little bit from because you were quite high on them, weren't you? Yeah, no, I, I think they've I think they've still done a decent job wherever wherever they've been. I know Huddersfield have gone on under Corberon, but ultimately he kept them up from a pretty dangerous position they were in. They they were sort of down really, weren't they? And to keep them up from that, and then they sort of left there with their head held high without a doubt. And I think at Portsmouth, I imagine their fans are thinking the same as well. Like they had quite a slow start to the season, didn't they? And I think they had to have a real sort of, the budget must be cut when you look at the players they had last year to the players they've got this year. So I'd imagine they've sort of tightened the budget up and they're, and they're there or thereabouts this season. I think they'll probably be a little bit disappointed that they're not four or five points better off, but ultimately they've still got a couple of games in hand on us, haven't they? So they're, they're not, they're not out of the playoff race. And I think if they did get Portsmouth back into the, top six, I think they could 
point to the job that they've done as another another very good job. So I think I think they're still okay. I think they're still good managers, and I think they're doing a good job at Portsmouth. Sure, sure. Um, let's have a look at the team news then, Craig. So for Town, Walton in goal, Danassian, Wolfen, and Burgess. Um, I guess we've kind of covered that already. Thompson, Burns, Morsi, Backinson, Selena, Chaplin, Jackson. Um, is that what you would have done, Craig? Um, yes, probably with with the with the players that we had available and the fitness being what it is. Um, I think I think obviously you'd probably want a Luco in there, but having played. Um, Midweek, he probably was going to struggle to uh, to squeeze in two games in in five days. Um, but I think everyone else pretty much um, picks themselves. Backinson was obviously in. Is that maybe his first home start? Possibly. I think he's started a lot of away games, hasn't he? Um, obviously, with different a lot of different partners. But the best news is probably that Sam Morsey was back. So um, that was probably the name everyone was looking out for on the on the team sheet at two o'clock. You agree, Joe? Yep, I think the club knew that as well because when they announced the team sheet, they have, they have to pick the player that they have standing there with their arms crossed next yeah. to it, and <laughs> and that was Sam Morsey there. So I think that was a Sam is back, and um, McKenna after the game said there wasn't really a, a risk. There wasn't really a high risk in playing him there. He was he was pretty much good to go. Let's have a look at the bench quickly, and then we'll go into the Pompey team. So Flaky, uh, Vincent Young, Carol Aluko. Norwood, Piggott and Bon on the bench. Uh, Joe, for Pompey, um, I'll read the team. Let me know if you like anyone in there, anyone sort of stood out going into the game and, you know, maybe um, after the game as well. Uh, Bazunu in goal, Carter, Raggett, Robertson, Ogilvy, Romeo, Thompson, Tunnycliffe, Curtis, Hurst, yes, son of, and O'Brien. Um, anyone you like in that Pompey team? Well, George Hurst was highly rated as a youngster, wasn't he? And he'd, but he's had a, sort of quite a strange career now. Not where well he's... liked at Rotherham on that loan, actually. No, and he hasn't he hasn't had a good senior career. But in the last sort of six weeks, he's actually found his goal scoring boots and has scored maybe like five in five or something along those lines. It's like, and I thought he led the line really well yesterday. I thought he did a good good job up there and without really a huge amount of support. But Ronan Curtis is always a player that can cause us problems. Is a decent player, but I felt him playing centrally rather than out on the left did really sort of negate his influence on the game because often he's played out on that left for us and he's been really dangerous coming inside and they've had harness on one side him on the other but I don't know I just thought I expected a bit more of him yesterday and he didn't really deliver which is good for us obviously anyone filling you with fear there Craig pre-game no well just just the names obviously Aidan and Brian you see as the name don't you and, and as Joe said Curtis always seems to play well against us um and I, probably a good job that harness was sent off last week so so missed this one um just a little snippet about George Hurst. I was on holiday in Falaraki in 1993, and his father was there in Falaraki. Is pre the, the fabled Manchester United £5 million bid or post? No, he was wearing a bandana for the whole week, if that's any... If that's <laughs> okay. Any he was a player, though, wasn't he, Craig? Very good player, yeah. A hell of a England. left foot, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One of those, one of those like, initial early Premier League um, superstars, wasn't he, David Hurst? You love it, don't you? Um, Craig, talk to me about the um, first half. What went down? Um, well, I think to be fair to Portsmouth, they they sort of they were in our faces, weren't they, from the off, and they were they were very much um, pressing us, pushing us back. Um, <clears throat> they were very quick getting to Danassian in particular. Uh, I thought that they were sort of cutting off that that um, line between him and him and Burns um, very effectively. Um, and all over the pitch, to be fair, they were pressing us quite high. I think, to be fair, they were probably um, the team this season since McKenna's taken over that were, well, for that 45 minutes, the most effective pressing team again, that we played against. Certainly that high up the pitch, they really were pressing us back. Um, and it was, what was it, eight minutes in that Morsey initially pulled up, um, sadly, with his uh, holding his hamstring and the collective... Sigh went round the uh, went round the crowd. What do you make of the first half, Joe? Yeah, I, I thought it was quite an even game. I thought we had sort of the better of the play, but they might be, they probably had the best chance of the game, didn't they? The one that sort of fell to Hurst low in the box, which sort of was blocked by a combination of defender and Walton. But yeah, no, I thought they did well in in pinning us back, really, which was sort of 
we 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 seemed to work it out as a half went on. We we got better as a half went on, but there was a couple of times where we got caught a little bit in possession, and they hit us quickly on quick counters, sort of two or three times in there. One which led to the chance, which I just mentioned there. But yeah, like when Morsey went down, that was obviously a a big a big blow. And then he sort of carried on. But I'm always a bit wary that when he went down because there was no one around him when he went down. He'd just gone for a run and then have quite a bit of treatment really. And then he sort of stayed on. I thought, well, okay, strange. And then he looked nowhere near fit. Did he? Once he'd done it, he would, he, would, he went for a sprint forward, didn't he, with the ball? And that's when it that's when it went. And then, mm. but for some reason, and then Carroll was straight away told to go and get fit, go and run up, get yourself loose, sort of thing. But they kept asking Morsey if he was okay, rather than taking him. Off. They kept asking. We could see from the touchline out, and they were saying, "No, let us know, let us know." And he was sort of saying, "Yeah, I'm all right." But he couldn't run, could he? He couldn't sprint. He basically just then just sat in for 10 minutes or eight minutes, however much longer it was he was on the pitch. He couldn't get to tackles. He certainly couldn't break forward. Um, so, he, yeah, I was just a bit concerned. He, he was going down, didn't he, then? And... Yeah. yeah. And so what's, what's the prognosis? What are we thinking, Craig? Well, McKenna said afterwards that, again, it, as Joe said, that you know he'd said before the match that um, he was okay. And obviously, he'd gone through the, the test yesterday and he'd gone through the the pre-match warm-up and bits and pieces like that without any ill effect. Um, but after the match, McKenna seemed to say, again, it's not serious. You know, it's not a tear or a, or a strain. It's You just felt it tighten. Um, so, you know, maybe if he can get a week of treatment under his belt, yeah. then might be right for, for next We are down to the just... one game a week now, aren't we now? So yeah. he's, got, he's got six days, then a game, then another six days break. So you think that hopefully you'll be able to get through that. And they'll be doing everything they can to to get him in the team because you know obviously Evans is still is still missing so um, you don't look at it from that perspective. But I just thought it took us until half time to sort of recover and and get used to him not being there because Carroll came on and didn't do too much first half. He came into it second half and similar. It seemed to sort of knock back into a little bit in the in the first half as well. It just you know, as it would do just what, what left a massive. I just think they just couldn't because. <clears throat> Carroll hadn't been training, had he, with the team this week? He hadn't been in any of the meetings, any of the um, like setup and and um, tactical meetings or anything like that. So I just think it was a case of them sort of getting used to the way that they should be playing with each other and getting used to Portsmouth being right in their faces from the off as soon as he you know, Carroll came on the pitch. But I so I think they just they grew into it after after half time. But I think just getting to the end of end of the half as um, nil nil. And uh, Caden Jackson as well, Joe. Yeah, you could tell that was a bad one straight away because he he sort of flies down the line, gets in, has a, gets a good chance, good save from the keeper, gets good, that well good, and makes good, a good save. gets his angles, he shows him the near post, doesn't yeah. he? And but then he just doesn't get up and he's calling him on. And and the, the board goes up saying there's three minutes of added on time whilst he's, I think, either on the ground or why, when this he was right going in front through of you, on right, goal. Joe? Yeah, it's right in front of us. And the fact that he was he was subbed off rather than just like, oh, we're in stoppage time now. Should we just wait till half time and then see if you're right for the second half? He he like I say he got injured in the forty sixth minute and went off in the forty seventh minute. There was no like, let's wait two minutes, see how he is at half time. And he kept he was like put, pulling his shirt up over his head and looking to the heavens almost. You could tell he 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 knew it was a serious one and at the pace he goes, you can only you can only guess he's torn his hamstring or strained his hamstring, and that is going to be his season over as well. Yeah. Greg, he, he as he was getting down the tunnel, I, t- I sent a photo and took it in. He basically took his in the end, he took his shirt off and just slung it to the floor and screamed to the heavens, just for pure pure frustration. You know, he just got himself into the team. He's out of contract in the summer. That might, could well be the last you um, last you see of him, couldn't it? Mm. Let us know um, on Twitter and in the comments. Um, is that Sadly, the last you'll see of Caden Jackson, um, I, it's not an unreasonable, um, unreasonable sort of position, um, Craig. I don't think is it. Um, second half, then let's go with you, um, Joe. And um, I suppose we're all building up to this uh, disallowed goal at the end. Yeah, well, the sort of I think we Plymouth, uh, sorry, Portsmouth's press just seemed to slow down a bit over the sort of first ten to fifteen minutes of the second half, and then once it got to about an hour, they just did not press at all really after that. It just they just camped back in, time wasted, feigned injury, just really, really slowed the game down, which made it a pretty tough watch at times. And they they did enough effectively. We we had the goal that was disallowed. Um I know McKenna said that VAR would have allowed the goal and somebody's filmed it from behind and you can see that it's Wolfie 
who is offside from one angle. And then you can see that he doesn't touch the ball and Burgess gets there. But for me, yeah, it was a wrongly disallowed goal, but I'd rather probably lose the odd goal like that rather than have VAR on every game because like I said, I don't think it's not a howler from the referee and the linesman, is it? Who I did think were pretty poor generally, but I don't think they've had a howler there. It's, it's just a tough one to see. Both of them go for the ball. One of them was offside, one wasn't. And you, you sometimes aren't going to get everything right, are you? I've been shuffling along the IFAB website while you've spoken. And the so the wording is as follows um, in terms of interfering with play, because this is what we're talking about. If Wolfenden doesn't touch the ball, if he's not interfering with play, he's not offside, ergo goal should stand. So it says on the IFAB website, um, interfering with play uh, by playing or touching a ball passed by, um, sorry, ball passed or touched by a teammate. So that's a, that's a no, he didn't do that. Um, interfering with an opponent, well, he doesn't interfere with an opponent, does does he? Um, by preventing an opponent from playing or being able to play the ball, no. Clearly obstructing the line of vision, uh, peripheral vision of the goalkeeper, but not line of vision to the ball. Challenging an opponent for the ball, no. Clearly attempting to play a ball which is close when this action impacts on an opponent. If that didn't say acts on impacts on an opponent, I think they've got him, but... Yeah. It only impacts on Burgess, doesn't it? Uh, making an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball um, or gaining an advantage by playing the ball or interfering. The, their wordings kind of tied them up in knots there for this type of situation, Craig. It's a bit of an outlier, isn't it, when it's two attacking players going together? Uh, because if um, it had been an opponent... I think this would have been disallowed, but I can't see anything in a, and we've but then, very but much even yesterday the... though, you see the Man United Spurs game and Harry Maguire scores an own goal because somebody puts a cross across to an offside player and Maguire dives in to try and mm. stop the ball going to that the player and that's Well he count. is impacting an opponent, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. but that, that's yeah. not giving us offside. It's basically you have to touch the ball or do something yeah. very, very obvious, which that wasn't. So that, that should have been allowed, but like I say, I don't think it's one that you can really we're in, we're in the grey area here, Craig, more, aren't we? Yeah, but it, it, it would have been allowed had it gone to VAR, but I don't think in real time from the referee, was, you couldn't really have told, I'm sure, who, whether it was Wolfenden or whether it was Banks and actually touched the ball. They both basically placed, had the same action towards the ball at the same time, you know, in a crowd of bodies. Uh, it'd been, and there's no way the linesman could have seen it from where he was standing. He'd just seen that a body was offside and that body was then near the ball, which came back, which knocked it back across the box. So, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm all for giving referees pelters, but it would have been a tough one to give in, in real time, to get it right in real time. I, I can't believe there's nothing on IFAB that says makes a motion to play the ball because Wolfenden does kind of make a motion to mm. play the ball, in which case they would have grounds to disallow it. I think it's one of these. Um, I'm I'm very pro VAR. I have to say I get a lot of pelters um, for it. But yeah, the the wordings often, or rather not the wordings tie us up in knots, it's the the wordings and the fans' knowledge of the wordings as opposed to the person doing the VAR, who's often doing what they're told, but the fans haven't got a clue why they're disallowing it. So um, there you go, frustrating, Joe. It flashed up on, on my phone as I was doing my stream here. Um, it would have been a really big goal and a really big moment and a really big win, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I think it would, I think it would have been deserved as well. And I think that sort of Portsmouth's conduct during the second half was just it just got went too far really for me. The time wasting element of it. I'd say there was one where they had a throw in on the side and someone just kicks the ball back to the keeper. The keeper stops the ball and then just leaves it there. So like Bond has to go across and get the ball <laughs> and give it back to the throw in taker who then lets the ball bounce off the advertising hoard and go back past him. And another one, Chaplin give someone the ball and they managed to sort of drop it and fumble it away. And and there was obviously the incident with Danny Cowley and Dominic Thompson on the touchline as well, which was sort of heated to say the least at one point, which again was Danny Cowley knowing exactly what he was doing, stepping back into Thompson and maybe Thompson overreacting slightly. He seemed to lose his head a little bit because he went for Connor Chaplin. And I think Kieran McKenna tried to calm him down. He nearly yeah. chucked Kieran McKenna down on the ground as well. So yeah. maybe but he they- did lose his head a bit there, didn't he? But... They were at it. They were at it from minute one in the technical area because, as I've, I've said many times, I look that direction across to the far goal at the North Den, and I, it's basically in my eye line. And they were like Lee Johnson and his Sunderland Mary mob were in the technical area. Every single decision, they're in the fourth official's ear. 
everyone, regardless of if it's the right one, the wrong one for Ipswich, for the opposition, they're in his ear. And if it's not Cowley, it's his brother. And if it's not his brother, it's the other guy there, their coach, whoever he happens to be. Cowley spent the entire uh, entire game outside his technical area. He was a yard out of it. Just for the sake of being a yard out of it, he'd be a yard out of it. The full official goes and tells him to come back in. He stands out of it again. He turns around. He's gobbling off at the crowd. You know, they're a, they're a team built in there in the manager's image, shall we say. Um, and as Joe said, he knew exactly what he was doing when Thompson's trying to take in a quick attacking throw by running behind Cowley, because Cowley's standing outside the technical area in, in the way where Do- Dominic Thompson should have been standing to take the throw. So Thompson runs behind him. Danny Cowley takes his opportunity to, for the first time in 90 minutes to step back into his technical area where Dominic Thompson's running. So they knew what they were up to. And it just it's, it just goes to show you sort of can, I think you just need to take it as a compliment that they need to play that way to to stop us from from playing and getting into our stride and stopping the tempo and the only way to stop teams from doing that is to get in the lead isn't it i, I do think there is a real sort of general football issue at the moment with time wasting in in games that makes these what is a sort of spectator sport almost unwatchable at times when you sit there it, it seems like it's really gone and i think maybe because the refs in this league are quite weak as well that we're seeing it a lot more that in the premier league and the championship it, I, I don't notice it being as bad. I, they obviously try it on a bit more, but maybe the refs stop it where it just seems in League One every week. There's teams that all they do is just just act like this all game. And, and I appreciate teams have got to play to their strengths and do what they can to, to do the game down. But there's, there's gamesmanship and there's trying to play games in your style and, in, and put, input your style onto the game. And then there's this. And I, like, I'm just, I don't know, I find it incredibly frustrating to watch I don't think we're ever, I don't think we're a team that's ever really been like that no matter who our manager is even someone like Mick McCarthy who someone says an ultra ultra pragmatist we've always been quite an honest team for the last well the last sort of 20 25 years that I've been watching like we haven't ever been a snarky horrible team to watch have we in, in that way but I don't know I just it does just feel football has got a big problem at the moment with time wasting and Something that has to be done. <laughs> I think. Well, I think it's just. It's just one of those things whereby we are, you know, such a big team in this league that we are going to see teams come to our home ground and play like that by virtue of us them just needing to get anything out of the game, aren't they? Unfortunately, I say until such time as you score in the first five minutes, first half, first half of the game, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The closer you get to the end of the game, isn't it? By virtue of them just. Yeah, on. The only the only thing that will make any kind of well, I can think of three things: um, real hefty yellow card sanctions, that board going up, and having ten minutes stoppage time on it at the end. Or we'll have our old favourite conversation, Joe, about real time um, stop clocks and um, whatnot. What were your takeaways generally, then, Craig? Other than being disappointed about um, about the injured players, I th- I thought we played well. I think it's just. It's refreshing to see us play the way we are. They they stick to their principles. They kept going to the final whistle just by playing the same way. And even if we didn't maybe create any proper guilt edge chances, we still did get through them and get behind them um, without our first choice centre-half, sorry, first choice centre-midfield pairing, without one of our first choice centre-halves, without our current um, in-form striker as well so you know you've got looking at it with all those um with all those factors i think it was just a, a very a very good performance it was just missing unfortunately missing the gold it was it just felt like the first half especially like a proper um edgy even sort of tactical um game um which obviously joe as joe said sort of they obviously just ran out of puff i think and just sat in for the majority of the second half till the end of the match but it just felt for the first time in a little while like a Harking back to when we were you know, challenging at the top of the championship, just like a proper one one goal is going to be in this sort of quite tight end of so, season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. top of the ta- top ish of the table clash. It was it was quite nice to be involved in those. But I just thought we played well again. Um, and McKenna stays cool on the touchline. He just gets them to keep playing the way they are. He's got so much trust in his in the way that his team's going to play that eventually it's going to come good. If not this year, then the next. That we just keep going. You can just tell they're just such a. There was just some points I was saying to Joe before before we joined that there were some points where we played such nice, lovely one-touch football, and all of a sudden we're in the box. It's come from it's come from Walton to Donassian, and then four or five passes and phases of play later, we're in the corner, we're in the you know in the channel next to the in the box. You know, it's 
it's happening more and more and more often. We just need that final final pass or assist or just a clinical shot to uh, finish them off. And, and for me, like we've we've been in this league for three years now, and this is probably the first. Well, it is without doubt the first time where I think we are one of, if not the best team in the league at the moment. And I think I'm sure probably Sheffield Wednesday fans would have that argument with us, maybe Rotherham as well. But I, I don't think there's any team now that we go and play that we probably don't look the better side against over 90 minutes. We might not get the win, but we just look we just look like we're rolling really, don't we? And I think I've sort of mentioned it sort of on Twitter, a couple of conversations I had on there. I think we're going to run out of road this season, but what we nine unbeaten now since McKenna's come in, we've conceded five goals in 15 games, eight clean sheets in the last nine. Like, yeah, goals are a problem, but we just look an absolute well-oiled machine at the moment. And I, I could see us not losing a game to the end of the season here and probably still, maybe still not making the playoffs because we might win five and draw three or something like that. But so I'm sure at some point we're going to chuck in a stinker at some point. We did maybe at Bolton a few weeks back, but that was very early on in McKenna's reign. And other than sort of the Sheffield Wednesday game, and they are they are a good side, Sheffield Wednesday. We are just... I know but even just, then, but even then, Sheffield Wednesday, we're going away with Backinson and El Mazzuni as your central midfield pairing because you haven't got Morsey, you haven't got Morsey and Evans there, whereas they've got yeah. Bannon and uh, Luongo playing. Yeah, that's a massive difference. Yeah, and, then, but, and then we only lose 1-0. Only lose and like the record at home, I see Statman put a tweet out, sort of what played seven, one five, drawn two, conceded one goal in that time since. Well, McKenna's I was going to ask next, Road. Joe, um, how impressive is this clean sheet run um, now? Because we we talked about um, maybe having an identity under Mick McCarthy, um, attempting to have an identity and failing miserably under Paul Hurst, having an identity for about five games at the start of Paul Lambert before he chuck that in and change the formation every week. Mm. Having an identity under Paul Cook that just didn't work um, in, in the long run. But um, is, is this our identity now? Hard to play against, hard to score against, Joe? Oh, definitely being hard to score. We're just so we're just so organised and so solid at the back because whilst you can you can sometimes keep a few clean sheets, you might you're sometimes relying on a bit of brilliance from your keeper a couple of times. Like he's, he's got you out of trouble, he saved a penalty here or done something. We've we've barely been troubled in those nine games. I can sort of, sort of count on things in one hand how many good chances we've conceded in sort of two months now, really. And and yeah, we're not, we're not scoring enough at the other end. That's that's without a doubt there, but. So I spoke to a couple of the former players after the game yesterday who were down for the dinner and they basically said that they don't watch it a lot, but they're still in coaching, still doing that. And they said, we're so solid and they're just totally, totally untroubled at the back, but just that hasn't quite got that creativity, something clicking in that final third as yet, which I think we can all see that as a case. And I don't think we've probably got the personnel that McKenna wants in his in his strikers at the moment. And Jackson was the closest to that in the way he's got that physicality to press and press and sprint and keep defenders honest. And I don't really think in Bonn or Norwood we've got something that he can work with that well. But I'm sure he'll get the best out of them over the coming few weeks. But this doesn't we just we just don't have the right players up there and those players that he does want or will want are going to be very expensive and very tough to bring in, aren't they? You just get your I take think, on the defensive record, Craig. Yeah, what I was gonna say is not only not only are we solid defensively, and as Joe said, we're not it's not as if we're reliant on Walter, you know, across most of the games I could probably play in goal the amount of stuff he's the amount of work he's having to do um during ninety minutes, although albeit he's doing it doing it very well. But not only we're solid at the back. Danassian's up near the corner, the opposing corner flag in like the 91st minute, isn't he? We're still using our wide central defenders um, as attackers. Wolfenden, with each game, is becoming more and more confident in his role, isn't he? He's strolling out with the ball. So it's not as if, you know, those three central defenders are just there to defend. They're all doing their own fair share of attacking as well. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN. 
giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wes Burns running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, let's have a look at what went on in League One. And then I'm going to parlay this into the first question that's jumping off the uh, page to me. So, uh, well, it was a very good day for the for the chasers um, right at the top. Wickham and Rotherham drew nil-nil. I suppose Wickham drawing is something decent for us. Wigan and MK, who were second and third, drew 1-1 as well. Uh, Oxford won at Shrewsbury. And we'll talk about Oxford, um, obviously, with reference to the next game. Sunderland were huffing and puffing, but in the end beat Crewe. Uh, Plymouth had a good win, actually, at uh, Bolton. That was a result that went against us particularly. Um, Sheffield Wednesday won 6-0 and still aren't in the playoff position. I think they were, they were fifth for a lot of it. And then gradually Sunderland and Plymouth went past them as the day went on. So Ipswich um, behind Wickham, uh, 38 played, 60 points, five off the playoffs. And I'm going to go straight to question from Mark here. And I'm going to offer a bit of advice to Ipswich fans, um, actually. So Mark asks, uh, final position and points forecast. And look, obviously, um, anyone can do what they like. But I've driven myself slowly insane doing points forecasts in this situation now. And my advice to Ipswich fans, and you don't have to take it, but my advice would be stop doing it. Stop doing it. Stop looking at the playoffs. Stop stop doing calculations and all this thing. You can if you want, obviously. This is just my advice. We're playing well. The manager's output is 31 points from 15 games. If If that two points per game keeps up, there's eight games left. That will take you to 76 points. If we finish with 74 points or above, wherever that position is, um, then start looking at the league table. And if a few people have had a bit of a nightmare, then maybe we'll be close. But um, I, I kind of making the same point as Joe. I almost think don't judge this on the league table now. Judge it on Kieran McKenna's points per game, what you're seeing. This is the first season in forever, it seems like. We're actually finishing a season well. You know, it's... It's just not been like that for when was the last time we finished a season, uh, even in the playoff season when we got in in 14 15? We didn't finish the season well, did we? Um, it's a very hard season, but it, it wasn't the, the peak of our season. So, um, obviously, I'm not having a pop at Mark who's asked the question here, but um, my advice would be that we almost need to not focus on where we are in relation to the other teams that have been decent all season. We need to focus on where we are in relation to where we were before Kieran McKenna joined. There's a very long rant that, um, Joe. Um, is that good advice and will you be ignoring it? Where was the question in all that? <laughs> Mark, sorry, Mark. Um, I'll give him a shout out. At W underscore Mark. Final position and points forecast. Uh, my advice is that we just need to stop, stop thinking about it in terms of... I, I think there's bigger... I'm going off again, Joe. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, I've, I've sort of said what I think we need to do to get into the playoffs. And it was, and now that leaves us needing six wins in the last eight games. Exactly. Which I think is going to be too big an ask because you, you're going to drop a drop one at one point, aren't you? And I do think we're going to get to, yeah, I do think we're going to get to 75 points. And I think that McKenna is going to have sort of had two points per game for the entirety of his tenure in this season. But I also don't think it's going to be enough to be in the top six. And but I think so that can't be categorised as a failure. Oh, no, without doubt. There's, 
if you can if you can come in and do promotion winning form for half the best season. part of half it'll a season, it'll be twenty three games. Exactly twenty three games. Well, then you, you can't ask any more than that. If um, so with someone else's players as well, Joe. Yeah. yeah, and we've we've sort of we we made the squad smaller in January than rather than bigger, didn't we? There's only a couple of sort of like for like replacements that came in. But I say if if you'd have if you'd have offered any Ipswich fan seventy five points on the day that Kieran McKenna was appointed, saying that we're going to pick up forty six points in the second half of the season. Every single one of them would have bit your hand off for that. And if it turns out to not be enough to make the playoffs, well, that's just the luck of the draw this season, isn't it? And it's the, the, like I said, it's a funny division this year. You've got six teams averaging less than a point a game at the bottom of the table, which is which is that. So I think there's a big that gap between the, the top and the bottom of the table. Yeah, the top, so um, but I, Joe, but I, doesn't it? I think we're going to need 77, 78 points to make the playoffs. I don't think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get to 74, 75. And I think that McKenna's done a fantastic job. And I don't think anyone will be seeing that as a failure. He probably will, because I'm sure he sets himself incredibly high standards. But I don't think anyone within the club or outside the club will be anything but positive with regards to his tenure. Great. So can I just quickly, before you come in on that, can I just clarify my use of the word failure? Obviously, I'm bound to get someone on Twitter who will go... But it's Ipswich, and look at what got spent in the summer, and anything other than promotion is a failure. I'm talking about from where we were to where we're possibly going to get to, um, to where we may be heading. That that's the thing to be to be judging now. And yes, we'll we'll, we'll get the pushback of oh look, it's always tomorrow, it's always next week or whatever. But, but, but not just where we were, the sort of fall we were in when he walked through the door as well. Yes. Yeah, quite. Um, and I don't know if you've got an answer for me, Craig. When did we last finish a season strongly? Oh, crikey. I don't know that one. Well, it hasn't been for the last few, is it? Because we're on the downward trend. It's about the trend, isn't it? As you're sort of yeah, saying exactly. there, and it's the, it's the trend, and the trend is most definitely upwards. And I think if people, if, as Joe says, we do finish outside the playoffs, and it's looking likely now, isn't it, crikey? What well, Sunderland have played the same amount of games as us and are six points ahead. So just to beat ahead of Sun and we've got to get six more points than they do over eight games well and that's not including the game the people who've teams have got games in hand between us and them who are in who are probably arguably in, in better form than than Sunderland if not us but I think if you look at the league table since uh, McKenna took over and you can do it on um, TWTD they've got like a, a date range um, table you can put in any date blah 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 since McKenna's joined, we're, I think we're second in the in the league behind and Milton Keynes. And have played one more game as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's probably where you want to look if come the end of the season we finish eighth or ninth, which is probably looking likely by virtue of our start. Um, just type in, what, Boxing Day maybe onwards and, and see where we're at in relation to everyone else and see what, what other teams are in the top top six along with us there. And you'll see that it's, it's, it's an upward trend. You've just got hope that come the summer and another little mini clear out of probably half a dozen out and half a dozen in that will be even better drilled over the course of the summer and pre-season to carry on that momentum and that trend come um, come August. And, and I think uh, there's an element, like this was one of the big criticisms I was having of Cook earlier in the season. Well, if you said, oh, we, like just, Cook, Joe. <laughs> yeah, we just need to go on a run. It's like, I don't think people could see just how far off it we were, how much work was needing to be done. And I don't, honestly think that we unless he was going to go in the summer we could have got rid of cook any quicker than what we did and look how look at what it's taken to to get us to ninth effectively we're still in ninth we're not we're not seventh we're not pushing we're we're ninth with teams above us with games in hand and we've been the form team in the league for three months now and we're still we're still nowhere near it and that's just just shows just how far off we were we were going absolutely nowhere um this one, uh, we'll go to Craig first. That is from Alex. Uh, was Burgess better, more composed, effective than Edmondson in his left-sided position? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say that. Obviously, it's a small sample size. He could have an absolute bloody stinker against Oxford and um, we get beaten heavily. Um, I thought he did. I thought he was absolutely fine. As Joe said when he was talking about it, he just looked, it just looked a more natural, a natural balance, didn't it, with two left-footers on, on that side of the pitch. It didn't. Um, require him to come back inside. Obviously, he's not going to um, carry the ball as much as Edmondson does. Um, he, but I say he did. He did perfectly adequately yesterday. He won every every one of his headers. He played the ball simply up up field. Um, he played it into the stand if he needed to. If he was under pressure, I thought for for a guy who hasn't been anywhere near the team for obvious reasons for a long time. I think his last game was Barrow, wasn't it? 
barrel away. Um, I thought he did fine. I think he'll he won't be an issue at all between now um, and the end of the season. I say he may well be that he does play himself into serious consideration between between now and then. He's certainly going to have the uh, the opportunity to do so. And at the end of the day, he costs what, three quarters of a million quid. So in League One, so and you know, a three year he, contract. He's going to have yeah, exactly. We're going to have to use him. And I don't, you know, I've got no issue with him being in and in and around the squad. If, you, know, you can just tell. But all that defensive unit, regardless if they're in the team or out of the team, they're just well drilled, aren't they? They know where they should be. They know they're covering for each other. They, they just look like a well honed a well honed section. There were some really interesting comments from McKenna in the press leading up to about how well he's trained, how sharp he's been, but also along the line of he's making really good contributions in the in the analysis room about it. So it's. Like I say it just seems a much more professional setup we've got there that they're sitting there having these proper game plan analysis, sitting there and the players are contributing to these. And like I say, McKenna, oh, sorry, Burgess is obviously an intelligent bloke as well, isn't he? And he sort of understands the game. He's come through at Fulham's Academy, which is one of the very good academies in there. He's played international football, I think, for Australia at certain points. So he's, he's not a, he's not a mug, but he, he he did struggle earlier in the season. I thought he was I thought he was really poor. And at times earlier in the season, and but he, he looked like I say, he looked just fitting in like a glove yesterday, really, didn't he? There was no no issues at all, and I thought, yeah, I thought he did well. And I think he's got a good chance to stake a claim for next seasons. But he struggled. Uh, he struggled in a four. Sorry, Ben. He struggled in a fourth playing left of a four four two, didn't he? And he he often got caught trying to turn, and ch- he was forever trying to chase back the attacker who'd spun him. But it just seemed to be that the way that we're currently set up and the formation that we're playing, obviously, he's playing left of a back three. He'd never found himself in that in that situation in that scenario. Uh, Joe, this is one from Andrew. How high on the shopping list should a Morsi replacement be? I, I assume he means in terms of a, a, you know, should Morsi not be around? Does there need to be more strength in central midfield? Hopefully, I haven't mis, misrepresented your question there, Andrew. But uh, what's your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, um, that is obviously the big the area where we don't have that backup and. But it, I'd say, I think Idris Elmazuni would be a good, he's sort of a similar type of player when you can play that role where you get forward. He's, he's a good presser. He gets about well. He can win the ball. He can break forward, carry the ball. He can shoot, which is something that Sam Morsi does struggle with. So there's to be an, fair, sorry, Joe. Andrew does, that's the second part of his question. Uh, could yeah. Elmazuni be um, mentored into that role? I, th- I, think he, I think you're going to have to, aren't you? Because he's, he's signed a contract, so he's got at least another year. I think he might have one more after next. And um, it's just a case that, it's, it's very difficult to sign a player to come in and say, you're going to be sitting behind a guy who will start every single game if they are fit because they are our, our captain and our most important player. But I think maybe El Mazzini, the answer is in-house on that one. It's just It was a shame yesterday because when Carroll came on, that him and Backinson, as Craig said earlier, they're sort of roles. They didn't really quite know which role each one wanted. They're all very different, aren't they? When you look at Evans, Carroll, Backinson and Morsi, they're all four very different players. That There isn't a like-for-like change for either of them. Like Carroll's sort of quite small and not a ball winner. But he's probably got a similar passing range to Lee Evans at the base of it, but he can't then control the physical, midfield no. physically like Evans can as well. So it's difficult. But I think, I think Backinson is showing some decent signs as well. And I'd be... I'd be more surprised if he isn't here at the start of next season, Tyree Backington. I think he is one that is almost like that was a loan with a view to a transfer. Bristol City don't want him, we do. And I think he'll be here. And I say, I think if you go with what we've got and El Mazzuni in there and maybe does Carroll get another year? I don't know. But I think I think we're pretty well stocked there. It's just a shame that El Mazzuni's absent at the same time as Sam Morsey was because it's because Tom Carroll, as Craig said, he'd been on his sick bed for two to three days, apparently, hadn't been there. If El Mazzuni didn't have a knock, he'd have probably been the one on the bench yesterday and would have come on and maybe staked a claim for himself there. But it's all I do wonder butts, I do it? wonder I do sorry, but Joe, I, do, I just do wonder whether they're going to get a more naturally uh, a more natural goal scorer in that Morsey role, and because obviously it's it's unnatural for Morsey to play that role, as he you can tell he's not naturally getting forward in the box and shooting. He doesn't seem to strike the ball cleanly and goes a little bit to pieces when it's in the box. I just wonder whether they're going to try and get a, a Tommy Miller type player who is going to score you those chances that Morsey is is getting, and just sort of maybe re, somehow rejig or reconfigure that midfield. You just don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the summer. But. Just real, real quickly then, um, last one, and it's, it's kind of a apt one. This is um, 
ITFC fist pump. Talk about shopping lists and next season. Looking towards the summer, are there any any standout strikers we should look at? Stockton, perhaps, and does Bond move on? Lots of talk about central midfield, but you've both mentioned it uh, today. And Craig will wrap up the questions with this. If Jackson's possibly done and Norwood's possibly done and Piggott's not working, and it'd be very unfair to someone like Cole Stockton to assume that just because we took a, um, a prolific striker from a club last season that... Um, it, it, I think Stockton's an interesting one, uh, isn't he? In respects, we probably won't go to the championship. Whereas I think Scott Twine's mentioned in the in the questions will go to the championship if MK don't get promoted. But um, got school goals, haven't you? And maybe, maybe that's equally as an important uh, a thing to sort out, um, Craig. Yeah, well, as we said previously um, on the pod, it'll just be interesting to see once. McKenna's got a, a summer and a transfer window is the type of striker he goes for. I just wonder, look, as Joe was alluding to earlier, whether he, he goes for a slightly more clinical Caden Jackson type striker, one who can close defenders down, but also offers you the um, the finishing aspect as well. I don't think, well, we can see that Piggott's doesn't seem to be anywhere near the sort of striker that um, that McKenna wants, not in that that mould of striker in any case. I'd be wary about Stockton. I don't. I think they'll probably have their sights set higher than than a League One, current League One striker. I would have thought. Um, so I think they'll they'll just clear the decks of the strikers that they've currently got, and maybe get in a couple that can of the same type that can play that that one or one or two roles or more. Um, active, physical, um, closing down, defend from the front type. Um, striker just had a bit of pace and maybe get more goals from that that Morsey role that he's currently playing and you know maybe get 10 from that from that role can't you know hopefully Burns is going to get another 11 from wing back again but you'd yeah. think it was probably unlikely for two seasons in a row you agree with that Joe yeah and I think that the fact that Caden Jackson's been used so heavily and he's like yeah he's not a Premier League class footballer on the ball just to, in in any way shape or form but ultimately he has Premier League physicality doesn't he he can run and he can sort of run these high intensity sprints and can put loads of those together so I'd imagine that's the sort of sort of play you want to get a player that has that physicality that they can run and run and run at pace not just something that can just plod around for 90 minutes. McKenna's and... got Marcus Rashford's phone number. He's probably yeah. a favourite at the moment. He's a favourite. But I, it wouldn't surprise if we go Premier League loanee, but I'd, I'd imagine, like, if you think we've got four at the moment, Bond, Norwood, Piggott and Jackson, which are all getting a decent amount of game time between them. I think Jackson, maybe, has he done enough to get a contract? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we do offer him another one, because Piggott, you're going to struggle to get rid of because he's still got another two years less and he's probably earning good money. And that's that still leaves two spaces do you go like a Premier League loanee and then try and get someone to drop down for the championship there, and that gives you four to go with, and you just go with a hot hand because you, you can't really ha- you can't really carry any more strikes than that. And in, on the flip side, you also probably don't want to be bringing three in in one summer. It's quite it's quite a big ask to bring three strikers in in one summer and hope that one of them hits the ground. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed to see Jackson Piggott plus two more on top of that. Great you just stuff, think guys. that you, you just sorry Ben just quickly you just think as Joe's saying there about having the same sort of um, strike you just wonder whether they'll have two strikers of similar ilk one will play seventy minutes run his backside off a of seventy bring the next guy and he'll do exactly the same for the last twenty and just play the same way and use the same mm-hmm. same two week in week out awesome um, thank you everybody for the questions at Blue Monday ITFC every weekend we put a shout out for questions get them in there of course. You can um, ask your questions live on our midweek live streams. They're only available um, to interact with on YouTube. So please do go over and subscribe on YouTube. If you're old school and just like listening down the podcast feed, um, wherever you get your podcast, go and give us a five-star review over there. Um, this will always be free, this content. But if you do feel like you want to donate, you can via the ACAST support app. Um, we've got the PayPal thing. As well, you can super chat, and we thank all the people that have done that so far. Um, before we go on to Oxford, I just got something from Richard on the um, ITFC women. Uh, Town beat Cardiff 3 0 with goals from Zoe Barrett, two for Inform, Anna Gray. A good day for the Tractor girls as their title rivals both drop points, swinging the momentum in their favour. Southampton conceded 88th minute equaliser to Bridgewater and MK Dons beat Oxford from next weekend. Uh, Southampton have five games in 15 days coming at him with ITFC at the end of March. Next up for town, West Ham in the FA Cup quarterfinals next Sunday lunchtime. 
a sellout, but live on the BBC red button. And um, go and follow Rich at Ips Rich. He's really, um, really giving the um, women's content a push for our um, platform here and um, lots of good stuff going on there. Lots of good stuff going on at Oxford, though, as well, Joe, where we're going to be visiting um, next uh, Saturday. And forgive me, I know there are games on Tuesday. Do Oxford play? They do not. Uh, so let me just bang through this. So Wickham will play on Tuesday. Um, Gilliam, Sheffield Wednesday. Plymouth will play Pompey, uh, which is a very uh, interesting one in terms of us. Roller and Wigan. So look, most of the top six, top eight are playing on um, Tuesday. Oxford are not. Uh, they are in good form. They score loads of goals. Um, they are in fourth in the table. Um, let me get my maths right here. Playoffs last two seasons, Joe. Am I right in saying Oxford, or was it just last season? I don't. Well, they de- I think they got to the final the year before last, didn't they? And lost and to then... Wickham, did they? Lost to. And- Blackpool and then they lost to Lincoln. Season. Did they lose to Lincoln or Blackpool? Yeah, they lost to no, one Lincoln of those. Lincoln beat semi, Sunderland, didn't they? Didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they Good goals, snipe. goals, 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 isn't it? There at the moment. So it's going to be a very stern test for our defence that we've been waxing lyrical about over. Like I say, but we've got eight clean sheets in nine games. Well, they've they score a lot of goals. In they think they're Fulham, Joe. <laughs> Carl, Carl Robinson knows how to set a team up to score goals. And when you look at recent form, there's a, there's a few players in, in decent form there. Four Matty goals here, Taylor. three goals there. Cameron I Brannigan. Got, I think Matt Taylor's got 20 for the season now, hasn't he? So they, they're going to test our defence. But I don't know. I've got, I've got no fear going there other than getting cold with that stand missing, blowing into it. If it's as <laughs> wet and windy as it was last time I went there. But so it should be a good game. It's just a shame we didn't win yesterday to really ramp up the sort of pressure on them as well, but they seem to just be pushing on and on and quietly going about their business and look pretty safe in those playoff positions bar a, bar a big collapse, don't they? What do you think, Craig? Yes, they've, was it, 43 goals in 19 home games they've scored. So <laughs> there'll be a, a good test of, as I say, Joe was saying, yeah, we're going on and on about McKenna setting teams up to not even lay a glove on us. Well, ne- next week will be a, a, a good test of that. Um, Yes, yeah, so hopefully, as we said about Morsey, they'll be um, doing everything they can to to get him um, him fit for it. Um, so yeah, could be. I, I think those midweek games, we'll we'll know exactly where we are, won't we? By um, by Saturday, of we could be. Like I don't eight, want to be a curmudgeon here. Eight Craig. points off the playoffs, couldn't we? With a we could we could be eleventh by the end of next week. I'm just looking at it. Bolton have got Crew, so we'll be ninth. Then we'll don't worry. <laughs> we're Portsmouth to beat. Plymouth um, in midweek, uh, they would uh, obviously move above. So that's that's a, a you know um, a, a big a big leap. Um, Plymouth, um, let me just bring that home table back. Just up. talking about Oxford quickly. You know they were another team that came to Portman Road and shut up shop and tried to waste time from from minute one. And they're a team that are flying at home. You know they they saw it even even back then when they played us. They saw it as a place to come to to get a point and get out of dodge. We've played Oxford five times since we've come down into League One, and there's only been one goal scored across all five games. It's been really nil nils, and apart from the only game we lost one nil at Portman Road, the, the, I remember. Sort of, the, last, the last game before, before COVID, lockdown. Yeah, 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 before lockdown, and they scored and they celebrated by bumping elbows. That's the only goal that's been scored in the five meetings between us at this level. Interesting, very interesting. Look at his face. Just look at his face. Uh, Joe, say goodbye to everybody. See you later, guys. Uh, Craig, say goodbye. Chisel. Uh, you've been listening and watching to the Blue Monday podcast. Um, thank you, as ever, everybody, for all your support. Go and get involved. Um, sign up on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, every single social media that's ever, ever existed. Um, please get your comments in on YouTube and on Twitter. And we will see you. Um, I'm sure we'll be about in midweek. We'll certainly be about for the preview show. And we'll certainly be about next weekend, where hopefully... Joe Fares will be right. That will be more like uh, ninth or something like that. And I'll be wrong and we won't be... I didn't say we'd be 11th. I said it was worst case scenario. Anyway, thank you everybody for watching, listening, and we will see you very soon.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.